This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alladay. All right, hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to Fans on the Run. This this show's so good, I've done it twice. You know, I I I occasionally like to break the fourth wall with this show. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I had the guest you're about to hear on the show. It was a fantastic interview. Unfortunately, no one's going to hear that particular interview because the god of my hard drive decided that's that's not going to happen. And so it was wiped. And so here we are now. And you know what? I think it's even going to be better the second time. Mystery guest, how would you describe your feeling right now? Just so much excitement, really. Just so, so much like, excitement, you can't contain it. It's like Christmas morning, except it's really hot. So uh, it is. Difference. So like Australia. Yeah, essentially, yeah. It is yes. like Christmas Day in Australia right now. It is Christmas Day in Australia. Well, our next guest has a fantastic bookstagram. Is that, is that the right word? That's definitely the right word. That's a word, so let's use it. That out out of all of the words, that is one of them. Yes. Uh, called at books Beatles, where, I mean, I think you can probably guess he posts a lot of pictures of really good Beatles books, and so I have him here today to talk about his life as a Beatle fan and his favorite Beatle books. Joe Wisby, welcome to the show. Thank you. So well, much. welcome Lovely back to, to the sh- welcome yeah. back to the show. Exactly. I can't like keep rec- you away. I'm like a recurring guest, essentially, now. So, Oh, God. So, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Like I said, it's uh, here in the UK, we've just had quite a, a sweeping heat wave, so I'm, I'm a little bit uh, perspired, but I'm here nonetheless, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you again, Ethan. Well, you're here, and that's all that matters. Yes. So, I want to go right back to the beginning. Joe, when did you discover the Beatles? Well, I had a funny feeling you were going to ask me that question. It's so, it's like deja vu I all over te- again. I can tell you the actual date that I discovered and henceforth, henceforth fell in love with the Beatles. Uh, 14th of June, 1992. Really? That now, specific? Because on that day, uh, there was a football slash soccer championship taking place uh, in which England played France Uh, and as an eight-year-old boy as I was in 1992 I watched England play France it was a pretty doer nil-nil for those that uh, don't know slash are interested Um, but two other two other things were shown on TV on that same day Uh, the Beatles film Help was shown uh, in the afternoon after the match finished and Mm -hmm. In the evening, uh, the South Bank show, which was an arts program mm-hmm. in the UK, uh, showed a 25th anniversary program about Sergeant Pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also happened to be Paul Mac- the week of Paul McCartney's 50th birthday. So there I was watching the start of Help. And as you and everyone else knows, they walked down Elsa Avenue in Twickenham in London mm-hmm. and go very nicely what looks to be their four very plain, normal, individual homes. And they then, the camera reveals that they're in fact in one giant fantasy playground of fun uh, with, you know, people cutting grass with 
chattering teeth, etc. That, that church organ that goes in and out of the ground. Yeah, yeah you've got a vending machine in there. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got all sorts. You've got a woman trying to get a ring off Ringo's finger as well. You know. Yeah. Uh, and from that moment, really. For those of you who have not seen Help. Why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't seen Help would be my first question. But, yeah. hey, they're out there. They're out there. You need um, help in two senses of the phrase. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So I had a moment where I was sat, my eight-year-old self, watching these four guys frolic and run around and frit around the world, and I wanted to be a beetle. They looked like they were having the most fun that it is possible for anyone to have. And I was like, well, I want to have fun. I'm eight. I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm excitable. Why can't I be in the Beatles? So from that point, I want to be in the Beatles. And I think I still do, really. There's still time. There is still there's, there's so There's time. a couple vacancies. There's so. a couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, I uh, then I couldn't watch the South Bank show because it was on at half ten in the evening. Uh, so I got my mum to record it on the blank VHS for me, which she did, thankfully. Thank thank you. And uh, I watched that. I watched Help again and again and again. Uh, and I went to buy... Did you also tape Help? Uh, no, I purchased Help on VHS the following weekend uh, from... Uh, I can't remember the shop, but it would have been like HMV or something yeah. um, in, in the UK. And... Uh, Watched it and miss HMV. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I used to work for HMV. I I worked for HMV for ten years. Does uh, does HMV still exist? Yes. Yes. Well, I I know they they closed a bunch of stores in in the UK. Does it it exist in Canada still? It it used to. It used to be you know like the big record store chain, but then a couple years ago they just suddenly filed for bankruptcy and shut everything down. But another store swooped in, took over all their locations, and then oh, okay. the guy who actually runs that store, Sunrise Records, ended up buying the actual HMV chain in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's kept a, this. I think it's a fair few open. It's a fair few open. Whether or not there's any copies of Help on VHS in any of them, I would be surprised. Quite you could probably find a Blu-ray or two. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I would hope so. It's an I, essential I would part. hope so. Um, so yeah, help really was my my entrance into the Beatles world. So being introduced through help, uh, what what were your first, what was your first kind of perspective on the Beatles? Well, I liked how I got the sense during the song help, which obviously is played at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I loved the backing Paul and George backing vocals to John. I, I got straight away the idea that they. They kind of work together. You know, Paul and George were kind of helping John with the backing mm-hmm. vocals in, in some weird way. Um, and I didn't know it, obviously, but I got th- that sense of the four-headed monster, of mm-hmm. the fact that the four of them were just, were you know, were essential to each other. Um, and, yeah, it just looked like, it looked like a gang that I wanted to be in, you know? Uh, they just looked like... And, of course, it was colour. It was bright. It was brash. They were, you know, one minute they were skiing, the next minute they were being chased by, you know... Uh, mad scientists and all sorts. And uh, albeit the uh, some plot elements don't hold up as well as others in the no. current landscape. No, 
yeah, I think filthy Eastern ways is not something you can get away with yeah. these days. Probably <laughs> rightly so, to be fair. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if it was acceptable back in 1965 then, either. No, no, no. But, uh, yeah. What's your favourite scene from Help? My favourite scene from Help, you know, it, it's it's cliche, but I'll, I'll have to say the music sequences for You're Gonna Lose That Girl and yeah. The Night Before. Because I think they are shot so well. Yeah. The the way the ambient lighting, the 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 awesome like purple and blue lights during You're Gonna Lose That Girl. Yeah. The oh, I just love it. I love I, it, love it, love it. I think At, for me it's the ticket to ride. Well in, that that's in, the in most the fun. Snow. Yeah. Yeah. Again I wanna be I I wanna be skiing badly with the Beatles at that point you know I want to be in the Bahamas being chased by by sailors you know whatever I just you know and I still do yeah one day maybe again there's still time I could go I could I could go to workplaces now well maybe not right now but you know one day I could yeah just just not with the Beatles probably anyway you might be able to go there now they might look at you a bit funny (laughs) like how'd you get here I thought the borders were closed that's true yeah that's very true so well apart from watching help well this question actually doesn't have anything to do with the movies it's what was your first beatles album well the christmas christmas 92 uh after watching help in in june my dad got me uh my first cd player uh which you know was a big deal in 1992 it was only a small kind of boombox type type deal but Mm -hmm. uh it you know, it's still a CD player. Absolutely, and for nine-year-old, uh, about to turn nine-year-old Joe, it was it was a big deal. And the one CD that he bought me with it was Sergeant Pepper. Um, I, I think because I've watched that documentary so many times. For the, um, for the audience out there who might not remember, uh, refresh your memories as to what Sergeant Pepper is. <laughs> what it is. Yeah. What it's, is Sergeant uh, Pepper? It's oh, it's. It's everything, Sergeant Pepper, and, and it, it gets you home in time for tea at the same time. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a summer of love, isn't it, really, in one concise 37-minute album. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the CD that, that came that you bought me with it. It had that. It was obviously from the 87 uh, version of the CD, but it did have a little booklet with it and a little, kind of, little note from, from George Martin in there. Um, and yeah, that got me hooked, really. Uh, and then I had uh, actually, the... if my memory serves me correct, that eighty-seven CD also had this like "Who's Who" on the yeah, cover, it where yeah. it was kind of like outlines of all the people with numbers and like, oh, yeah, forty-one yeah, is is yeah, Ga- Gandhi or not Gandhi or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. uh, again, a lot of those people wouldn't have been terribly familiar to me as a nine-year-old. Um, yeah. But it was just cool to know. Maybe, you know, maybe you might be familiar with Karl Marx if you were like a really cool nine-year-old. Yeah, I wish I, I really was not a cool nine-year-old. But, yeah. um, but hey, you know, I'm cool now, so that's the important. Yeah, you thing. are very cool. But, just like me. Exactly, we are cool. We are cool. <laughs> we are cool. Of uh, course, yeah. the coolest people need to tell each other that they're cool. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. That's part. Um, of the, that's part of the game. So after Sgt. Pepper, uh, with the Christmas money, or maybe with the HMV voucher, some kind of voucher-type deal, uh, I went into my, 
on a kind of local high street again and I bought the on cassette as the CDs were slightly above my price range uh, mm-hmm. but this little CD player did have a, a couple of cassette decks on it uh, it bought I, I bought the the red and the blue album mm-hmm. um uh, and bizarrely I also went to buy the 20 greatest hits uh album which I think all obviously I think red and the blue has got all those songs on it yeah uh, but it was just something to have. I think it was probably in the sale or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it could have been in some discount bin. Yeah. Yeah. Was that kind of like common for you as a kid? Because it, it was for me. Like every birthday or Christmas, you end up with a, a couple uh, gift cards or gift vouchers for HMV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because even from like nine or ten, music was, you know, I would definitely have a book token. I would definitely have a voucher for... Um, HMV or, or an equivalent. Obviously, in the mid '90s, there were many other record stores. Yeah, to well, choose there from. was there was Tower Records. Yeah, there was... We had a we had a chain called Our Price, which was in my local town, which probably didn't go very far outside of the UK yet. Our, uh, Virgin Megastore oh, was a big Virgin. one. Um, Virgin Megastores kind of predated me just a little. Okay, I still okay. remember being in Hollywood in All 2010. Right. Wow. And we had found on Google Maps, like, oh, there's supposed to be a Virgin Megastore here. And we went there when there was no Virgin Megastore. And I was <laughs> very, very sad. But luckily, yeah. we went to uh, Amoeba, Amoeba Records that same okay. day. So I was less sad. Is that still a thing, Amoeba Records? Amoeba Records is still a thing. They Good. they moved from their okay. like, iconic location. Right, okay. But, but I think right now they still have one open in San Francisco. Okay. And somewhere else. Record stores of the 90s could be a whole podcast on its own, couldn't it, really? Yeah, we could do a whole mini-series on Virgin <laughs> or yeah. Tower. We had one in the UK called, somewhat unexcitingly, uh, Andy's Records, um, which I'm guessing... I wonder who owned, owned it. I, I, I really hope it was a man called, like, Jeff or something. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, a- a- Andy's Records was one. I remember I had, when I was about 14... I had a, I got sixty pounds, which was you know, yeah. a lot of money, and I thought I'm just going to spend it all on CDs. Um, so yeah, Andy's Records were the happy recipients of my sixty pounds that January afternoon. Do you remember what CDs you got with those sixty pounds? I bought. Pounds? I can tell you one of the CDs that I bought. I bought. Um, this is going to make me sound so uh, weird, but uh, I, there is I, no I was, judgment here. <laughs> I'm glad. I had a bit of a thing for like TV themes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just like like you know yeah. cool TV themes. Uh, so I bought a CD uh, which had all the uh, it was a collection of all the BBC and ITV uh, sport themes, uh, which would mean nothing to uh, the vast majority of the world's population. But it had like music on it that I really liked, like Match of the Day. You know Match of the Day. You aware of Match of the Day? I I know what Match of the Day is, and I think okay. I've heard the theme song before. Yeah. Match the, it, it's a, it's a, you know. It, I saw it, a, a stand-up bit with Bill Bailey, and I think okay. Match of the Day was the punchline. Right. Okay. Okay. That was one of the CDs that I bought uh, that day, and I think I bought a, I bought a CD by. Do you know a band called Hundred Reasons? I've heard of the Hundred Reasons. They were from yeah. Again, nothing like the Beatles, but uh, I, yeah, I really like their album. Apologies uh, to all the members of Hundred Reasons listening. Who are definitely to this listening show. to this podcast? Yeah, uh, it was called. It was called. I, I think it was called Ideas Above Our Station. Anyway, <laughs> go on way beyond me. Yeah, that was uh, that was another CD of uh, of that of that particular sixty pound haul. So, first Beatles album 
was Sgt. Pepper? What was the first Beatle book you remember getting? The first Beatle book that I remember getting was... It wasn't a particularly... I don't think it was a particularly well-known one. It was... Uh... Like, I know, like... I, I think for a lot of us, our pro- our first Beatle books were probably just called, like, The Beatles. And they yeah. were, you know, a pretty bare-bones biography with pictures. Yeah, yeah. Mine was... it was It's a book... I think it was a book called The, the Beatles Files, <laughs> which was a kind of compilation, like a photo book, of lots of pictures and contemporary articles from the Daily Mirror newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've got, and which I believe you can find. I have already posted it on the At Books Beatles Instagram feed. Um, Go follow At Books Beatles. Follow, 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 like, refresh, or whatever, retweet. Oh, no, that's Twitter. Um, yeah, that was the first one, and I, I just like the pictures. It just showed them really good, really uh, pictures that at the time, this is about, obviously, about 95, hadn't been seen because they were locked in the Daily Mirror kind of archives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first one. But then the first one that I really got uh, bought for me that I, you know, a proper book, should we say, was Revolution in the Head, mm-hmm. Ian MacDonald, uh, which... The classic. Which is a classic. Yeah, again, I, by this point, I'm still only about 13. Quite a, not, not a lot of it, but elements of it did go over my head. And yeah. I got massive pleasure from rereading it again properly in like my early 20s and just massively appreciating stuff that I didn't obviously get as like a mid-teenager. Um but yeah, uh, a book that you know changed the the way that Beatles books were. Really, no one had done that before. Um, I loved how you know some of the songs he just doesn't like, you know, and quite controversial. You know, he doesn't like Helter Skelter. He doesn't like Across the Universe. Um, you know, he, he's it's one of the first ones to sort of pitch Paul. You know, we'd had by that point we'd had fourteen, fifteen years of John having been killed and a lot of the books that we'll probably talk about soon uh, yeah. are very pro-John but Revolution in the Head because it looked at things from a musical point of view brought Paul up to the um, the the kind of pitch uh, the pitches the pitches plate is that is that a thing I don't know I, I don't know I don't know okay. what sports are okay uh, but yeah it brought him it brought him back into the picture again uh, which uh, I watched which I the liked. baseball game exactly once Okay, well, that's more than me. We yeah. don't we don't do it over here, really. So, well, you have cricket. We we definitely have cricket. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's kind of like baseball, in a in a roundabout way. Yeah, it is. It is. You're it's, you're it's... hitting something with something else, and then yeah. other things happen. I think that should be the tagline for cricket. Yeah, come and watch cricket. You hit something with something else, and things happen. And things happen. Well, some things happen in cricket quite slowly, generally. Yeah. But, uh, well, it, it may only be one or two things happen. Whereas baseball, it's happen. like 46 things happen every really? minute. I, I don't I'll remember. Take... It's been years. Okay. 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 Uh, anyway, Revolution <laughs> in the Head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what the fuck you am I talking about baseball for? I don't know. You, only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Are you a fan of that, of that book? Uh, yes. Well... I, I appreciate the book. It's it's not my favorite, okay. but I I appreciate it. Okay, um, but yeah, that was the one that you know it. I think in particular the twist and shout passage is my favorite part, uh, where he describes 
that session really in real in kind of vivid detail and it, it takes you a little bit it takes you into that into that studio uh, and that was the thing that really hooked me about Beatle books. I was like, you know, I want to, I want to go places, and you know, the the a good book, be it about the Beatles or about something else, can definitely take you places. So, you mentioned that we may be talking about other Beatle books, and now I think we should probably segue into that. I want to talk okay. to you about some Beatle books. Go. What, what what's what's the newest Beatle book you've read? The newest Beatle book I've read well. Uh, let me think. Uh, probably the Ken McNabb book, um, uh, in the end, uh, which, as I'm sure you know, covers the 1969 period in quite forensic detail, which is an f- excellent book. I think that's going to be the way forward for a lot of Beatle literature is covering specific uh, years or areas or tours or or whatever. Um, and that's that does a really good job of that. So yeah, well done, Ken. Even though it it may make it harder for you know, I, I remember a while ago a friend was asking me for a recommendation on just one Beatles biography. Okay. And I thought, oh Jesus, I really can't think of like a a good one that just covers the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. That well, isn't that doesn't delve into some niche. I mean, there's the three, the, the three that are there at the moment. Don't mention the Bob Spitz one. <laughs> well, uh, do you know? Funny, I got a message today about about from one of my many followers uh, about the Bob Spitz book, and he said to me, "Is it? I think he's seen it very cheap somewhere." Um, and I, I mean, that that's not an uncommon occurrence. No, I mean, I I, I think it's okay. I think it's uh, yeah, it's massively flawed, and it's rendered redundant by a lot of other books that have come out since. Um, but I, I think they're all. I mean, it's. I think Shout is the one that we can talk about in some negative detail. That's obviously. Well, uh, what are your thoughts on Shout? Pretty. Well, I mean, I'm a Paul guy, so you know, full disclosure. Um, and I really thought your that. name was Joe. Uh, well, yeah, I go by Paul sometimes. I wish I go by Paul sometimes. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's it's a tough read. It's a tough, you know. The original editions from the early 80s, uh, you know, uh, are just horrible. I mean, he did, if you look some of the later versions, he, he's praised down some of the particularly negative Paul stuff. Um, but it's just, yeah, it, it's it, it's it, it's horrible, really. You know, you can sense the anger almost coming off the page. And I was lucky enough to um, go to a book signing that Philip Norman, who wrote Shout, as I'm sure everyone knows, <laughs> did when he released... Uh, his Paul McCartney biography uh, about about ten years ago now in in uh, a bookshop in London, and he was talking about Paul then. And obviously by this point, we all knew, you know, the reputation of Shout. And he was talking about how, as a young journalist, he got backstage uh, at a gig in Newcastle that the Beatles did in 1965 on the 65 UK tour. And he said he was he was backstage, and they were doing this kind of. Uh, I suppose they were milling about in the dressing room or whatever. And he said, there was Paul McCartney uh, in the winter of 1965. He said he was at the absolute apex of success. He was so good looking. He was immaculately dressed. He was funny and witty and charming. And he said he was surrounded by women uh, backstage. And I think at that point, we know why uh, Philip Norman was so negative about Paul McCartney, because I think he was just jealous. Uh, of that moment. And well, how could you yeah. not be jealous of well, yeah. Paul McCartney with his model girlfriend and all this yeah. attention 
yeah. in 65. Exactly. I, I understand that, but I don't think that's enough of a reason to write a book that basically rewrites him out of history. Yeah. Well, in, in terms of Beatle books, he's not the worst with the McCartney hate. No, there, that's there, true. There are a couple examples of other... Yeah. Well, that's one of the things about this group is that, you know, and one of the problems and yet fascinations with Beatle literature is, you know, you get books that will be very, very anti-John, pro-Paul, try to write George out of history. I mean, you know, the, the Jeff Emmerich is a good example uh, of the of that, you know, he... Um, well, Jeff Emmerich's book tried to basically say that he was one of the Beatles. Exactly, and that everything yeah. they did was Jeff Emmerich, which we know isn't true. No, know? Uh, so yeah, that's one of the things is that they're always going to. It's very, it, you know, it's sort of hard, I suppose, to write a book about four, you know, four p- different people and not like one of them more than the other. You know, it, it, it must be difficult in a way. Which is why, you know, if you write a book about just one of them, uh, you know, like a, a book about a solo y- year or a solo uh, period. That's probably a bit easier in a way than writing a book about all four of them. Yeah, because you, you don't have to balance uh, no. the four of them. No, no, and they're they're a hard you know they're a hard act to balance, aren't they? I want to ask, what do you think is the most important Beatles book that has been written? I think uh, probably probably the Hunter Davies, uh, the first. The first biography, massively flawed, um, but he got to people and spoke to people that are long, long gone now and that we'll never speak to again. And he captured, he captured that, and he captured a little bit of what it must have been like to be a contemporary Beatles fan. You know, um, he captured the spirit of of them. Just you know, he all all the work was done as we know through '67, so the last year of them being really, really together. Um, you know, obviously he was lucky enough to bear witness to songwriting sessions, to recording sessions. He went to Banger in Wales with them, so he was there when they found out that Brian died. Um, so I think it's... And in a way, you know, even though the, the Michael Brown, the Love Me Do book, was the first real book about the Beatles. Um, See, that's that's the one I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, I actually have important. a copy of that just right beside me right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a fascinating read. Again, that captures them. It only just came back into print for oh, some reason. Okay, okay. Is that is that the, the one with the kind of green green brown cover and they're looking and they're walking off the steps of the plane? Is that 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 one or? It, it isn't really brown. But oh, okay. It it's it's the one with where they're walking off the steps of the plane. Okay, there you go. Cool. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating and important book. That was a book, don't forget, written when they you know. It, for all Michael Michael Brown was concerned, they might have been forgotten about within ten, you know, uh, a year, <laughs> eighteen months. Um, by the time Hunter writes his book, we know that even then, I think people knew that this is going to be something that we're going to remember. Um, so Michael Brown's book is probably the only one that has that kind of feel to it, and it's very honest, it's very open. John loved it, obviously. John, oh, I, I love the tagline. That's on What's the, the tagline. Go it's, on. Let me just grab the book. I don't want to butcher the quote. Okay. Uh, He said, and I quote, a true book. He wrote how we were, which was bastards. Which was bastards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So John, John liked it, but you can't get a more glowing endorsement than that. I I don't think there are any other Beatles books that, that uh, you can put a John Lennon quote on the front about. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, except for maybe that John Lennon book 
uh, from Yan Wenner. From oh, Lenin remembers. Yeah, 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 definitely. He probably mentioned that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he was quite. He wasn't particularly pleased with that interview in hindsight. I don't um, think any but, of the Beatles were particularly pleased with that interview. No. But it makes for fascinating listening, nonetheless. Yeah. Have uh, you ever heard uh, the National Lampoon Tragical History Tour? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, not that long ago, actually. Only quite recently. But yeah, very funny. My, my favorite thing about that is the guy who's singing as John Lennon ended up playing the manager in This Is Spinal Tap. Re- oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um... What's the character's name in uh, I can't remember his name. It's got the cricket bat, isn't it? I can't yeah, remember his name. Ian. Ian something, yeah, yeah. Ian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. A small beetle factoid for my Thursday afternoon. Well, yeah, that's... It's, again, breaking the fourth wall. It's about 8.30 for you right now? Uh, yeah, 8.30 in the evening, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm backwards in time, so it's 3.30. Crazy. Yeah, I, my mind every time. He imagine, mind every time. imagine that. Oh, God. Fans <laughs> on the Run, the Beatles podcast where we talk about time zones. Exactly. Thrilling listening. Thrilling I know. Listening. It's gripping. Grab the popcorn. <laughs> so what would you say? Uh, when, I, when we did the interview a couple weeks ago, yeah. I asked what your top five were. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to bump it up one. I want to ask, what are your top Six needle books of all time. Okay, I'm just going to fire them this time. I'm and but go. this time again, yeah. Mark Lewison's too easy. Yeah, because his his books are all golden. They are. Mark, they are I know you're listening bl- to this. We are blessed to have him. Yeah, blessed be the Lewison. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so the the top six all time top six best Beatle books. Have you seen are... the movie High Fidelity? I have seen the movie High yeah. Fidelity, yeah, yeah. I'm essentially channeling Jack Black in, in that moment. Yeah. Um, okay. All I time, was... top five. All Break time, top, top six in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so number, in no particular order. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say in no particular order because otherwise, you know, it's going to be too complicated. Um, I would say already mentioned it, but yeah, Hunter Davies has to be in there. Historical importance uh, very, you know, still a book that stands up, and the stuff that he's written since uh, mm-hmm. as introduction. There's and... that lyrics book. Yeah, that's a good book. He, the John Lennon Letters book is a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and another then one. the one that came out not too long or a couple years ago, just called the Beatles book. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, I think he's finished writing now. But cause I think he's only actually written about three or four books about the Beatles. Um, he's uh, associated with the Beatles forever because of that original biography. Yeah. Um, but he's written some fascinating, some really interesting books. A lot of uh, celebrity autographs. He's one of the um, only people who can actually say they were authorized to write, you yeah. know, a biography about yeah. the Beatles. Or uh, that's an honor only really shared by the people who worked on the anthology book. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'll include Barry Miles because he yeah. did the authorized McCartney one. Yeah. Definitely. Many years from now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a slightly obscure choice, which I, 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 I don't know if many people know about. Uh, Devin McKenney uh, wrote a book about the Beatles, uh, which is not uh, a particularly well-known book, as I say, um, but it's, it's a book that it's sort of like about nothing. It's kind of like 
uh, it's not like a biography, it's not about one particular part of the Beatles story. It's just a little bit like the um, the Craig Brown book. It kind of covers things in a uh, just a, the a Craig random Brown part of their book. Story. Just for references, uh, one, two, three, four. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or whatever the called, hell it's called over here. I don't it's even called know. called something different, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. called uh, like 104 Moments of the Beatles. Okay. Or some um, complicated title. David McKenney's book is called Magic Circles uh, The Beatles in Dream and History. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it kind of just takes a really strange, outlandish look at the Beatles story. I think it's still in print. I would recommend it to anyone that is interested in Beatles books. Let me just write um, this down because I think you mentioned it last time, but I forgot I to. You can hear my keyboard. Exciting, yeah. Sound effects and everything. Yeah, I know. I put those in in post. They won't know that. <laughs> so, so yeah, Magic Circles, true. Hunter Davis. I would say, um, what else would I say? I, we've just mentioned it, but I think, I think many years from now is great. Really? I think, I think it's great. I, I've heard I th- that book actually get trashed uh, well, a couple I, it's times. Al- it's always going to get trashed because people don't like Paul. Um, Yes, the purpose of it is to put Paul back as the avant-garde Beatle and all that kind of stuff. But it's the, which was know, hey, later covered much better in the Ian Peel book. Ian Peel book, yeah, yeah, which is a great book. Um, what, what's the name again? I keep forgetting. Uh, it's called the Unknown Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, uh, just as a random aside, Ian Peel's uh, uh, Twitter handle is le- at Let It Beep. Which I think is really cool. But anyway, <laughs> I, um, I know he was on our our friend uh, Tom Hunyadi's show, Two yes. Legs, yes. Andy Nichols, yes, talking about the book. Yeah, a whole I mean, it's, almost it's... twenty years after it came out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, hey. late promotion is better than no promotion. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but many years from now, it get it takes you there. You know, you 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 see him pull side of the story. It side of the story. It covers. Uh, all the bitter years. Yes, it would have been great to hear his views on Wings and, you know, a lot of the other stuff that happened in his life. But then you're looking at two or three volumes worth, you know. If anyone could write a multi-volume biography, Paul McCartney is one of them. Um, but, yeah, I love Many Years From Now. I think it's, I think it's absolutely great. Um, I, I'm wondering why that hasn't been done. A multi-part what, biography about McCartney. Well, a biography or an, or an autobiography, what, what do you I think he wouldn't have the time, I don't think, to, to well, do one. get, you know, someone else to write yeah, maybe. another couple books on the MPL company payroll. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, another one that's really great uh, is... Apologies to MPL. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You never know. I'm sure, Again, I'm sure they're listening. I'm, I'm um, sure Paul McCartney is listening with bated breath. Right now. Hi, hi, Paul. How are you? What are they going to talk about? They talk about magic circles. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not a bad impression, that, for a Canadian, you know. Uh, you know anyway. what? Uh, thank you. <laughs> anyway, next I, I, ha- I had Ivor Davis tell me my Liverpool accent wasn't horrible. Well, he said, it, you know. Like, I can't even do one, Ethan. It's it's well the Liverpool accents are really trending because the Beatles they don't accent, sound no they they don't sound scouse like this you know okay not bad not not bad <laughs> not bad not, you, the, 
I, I, I have no, I have no further statements. The, the two things that you can say really easily in a Scouse accent is, um, chicken and chips, chick or, or coke, can of coke, can of coke. I want a can of coke. There you go. That's my Scouse accent, which is pretty poor as well. Um, eh. Well, where were you, we? You got closer than I did. I got closer than you, but I should do as a, you know, as a native Englander. Um, okay, another really great Beatles book. Do you want to hear about another really great Beatles book? Which you probably know. I, I would love to hear about another great Beatles book. You never give me your money, by Pete Doggett. That that is a fantastic book. A great that I think book. right now as we speak may be my favorite Beatles book. Wow. Yeah. No, it's great. It's because good. Yeah, it... my I love how you know often i don't like it when you can tell what the author's opinion on the subject matter is but at some okay. points he seems to write with such snark and disdain that it's fantastic <laughs> yeah he's definitely not um like when i think my favorite bit was when he was talking about the launch of apple in new york yeah. and he uh he was explaining they were going to call the company apple core and he put in like brackets, uh, it's a typo. Oh no, it's a it's a pun. Paul helpfully noted. <laughs> yeah, very good. There's there's a great bit when they just talk. Uh, he's talking about Ringo's eight, Ringo in the eighties, um, and he just says something 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 something, and then he says while he's not acting as a bisexual fashion designer <laughs> in Princess Daisy, um, which uh, have you ever seen? that particular made-for-TV film. I, I I don't think I've actually seen any of his made-for-TV films. Okay, yeah, it's pretty... pretty to me, cool. I, I, I personally wish his film career started and ended with The Magic Christian. Oh, you like that, do you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'll be the day he's really good. You must have seen That'll Be The Day. Uh, it's all right. Oh, it's great. He's fantastic in it. I was lucky enough to go to a screening uh, in London with Ray Connolly, who obviously wrote the book, um, sort of wrote this, the, the script, um, and he was there, and, and we watched it on the big screen, and Ringo was just vibrant, came, jump off the screen, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, but yeah, apart from that, there's, it's pretty slim picking Man, for Ringo's Man, technology is really advanced these days if he jumped out of the screen at you. <laughs> it was like IMAX 3D. It was yeah. like, you know, it was great. Screaming at you to not ask for autographs. Yes, definitely. Peace and love, peace and love. Peace and love. Peace I'm and warning love. you with peace and love. It's very hard to warn someone with peace and love, but Ringo... I know, it's it's almost an oxymoron. It's, I think it's definitely an oxymoron. Yeah. So... You never give me your money. Yeah. What number is that? Four? Three? I've lost count. I, I think it's number three. Okay. Uh, another great book, uh, which slightly preempts uh, Revolution in the Head that we've already just discussed, is a book called Tell Me Why by Tim Riley, uh, which actually came out in 1988 originally, or the, the version that you get now is from 2002. Um, and it, it breaks the Beatles songs down from a slightly musicological kind of point of view almost like Revolution in the Head does. It doesn't quite go into the kind of cultural side of things like Revolution in the Head does, but it, it's it's years ahead of its time. If you think if you think of the other kind of Beatle books that came out in the 80s, uh, if you look at some of the McCartney biographies, uh, people like um, Chet Flippo is, is, a, is a good example. Really lightweight paperback. Never heard of him. 
Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's a lot of lightweight and, you know, a lot of the John books that came out in the 80s by people like Ray Coleman are overly fawning and, um, you know, strewn with errors. But Tell Me Why is, uh, is a beacon of excellence uh, amongst 80s Beatles book. I would recommend it to anyone. You mentioned 80s John Lennon books. Yeah. So I want to talk about, you know, before we get back to the rest of the list, we, we're at number four. Okay. Um, the Lives of John Lennon. Ah. Thoughts? Many. Uh, <laughs> quite Elaborate. Thor- well, quite a thoroughly researched book. If you look at the people that the interviews that were done, um, you know, he focused on New York, Liverpool, uh, London. You know, he got to a lot, him or, or his researchers rather. It sounded to- like you were about to start quoting that song, Pop Music. London, New, New York, York, London, passion. Paris, Munich. Everybody the talking f- about pop music. The Flying Lizards, that was by, I think. Um, good name for a group. Anyway, uh, yeah, really well researched. Fantastic, you know, uh, fantastic research aspect to it. But then, obviously, the hate and the scorn and the misinformation drips off every page. Um, There's a wonderful Saturday Night Live sketch in the 80s yeah. where they explained why he was so mad at John Lennon. It's because okay. Albert Goldman was really uh, the fifth Beatle. And they yeah. oh, I see. Elvis uh, convinced the Beatles to kick him out because uh, his uh, his horn playing didn't match well with the Beatles. It all becomes clear. It, it all it's all clear. clear. Yeah, it's all becomes clear. But n- not a book that anybody, you know, it, it sold a lot, didn't it, at the time? Yeah. Well, have you also seen that uh, interview he did on British TV? I think it was like some Liverpool show. Oh and, yeah, when he and, gets torn to shreds, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he gets torn to shreds by Alan Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. And there's another one where he's on. He's actually in the studio, in again in the UK with Hunter Davies. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's on I a, think a, Philip Norman was in the audience for the first one. Oh, uh, was he really? Wow. And he was, okay. you know, being mad at him. Okay. Okay, well, I, I can understand that, Matt. You know that that rage in in this instance. But yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's not you know, it's not a, a book that many people have on their bookshelves anymore. Obviously, I do. Um, uh, but, well, it, uh, it also takes up a lot of space. It's, a it's thick pretty book. hefty. It's yeah. pretty hefty. I mean, in a way, it's worth reading if you're interested. I think if you're interested in Beatle literature, you you know you you need to read it. But with the caveat, it's mainly. Uh, it's mainly nonsense. I find it really interesting that we're able to talk about it, you know, an entire genre of books that's just Beatle liter- literature. Like, yeah. how how many Beatles books do you own? I own about probably in the kind of four hundred to four fifty range. Jesus um, Christ! I, I think I'm about I'm about there. Uh, a lot of the no, I don't do like doubles. Yeah. Sometimes I, I go online and in other kind of Beatle book groups, and people will post like five versions of one particular book, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that guy, you know. I only have one Beatle book where I have a duplicate. Okay, what's that? Uh, the complete Beatles recording sessions, ah, because okay. I, I had bought the the hardback version or the hardcover, and I yeah. was given kind of a, a soft cover version by my guitar teacher. Okay. He said, like, I found this just in my, like, music room. Do you want it? <laughs> and by by that time, I had already gotten the other copy signed 
by Mark okay. Lewis, and, and he already had written, like, a custom footnote on the page about Carnival of Light. Okay. You know, just nice. saying, like, will we ever hear it? Hopefully, but I don't think anyone will care once it's out. <laughs> okay, nice. Nice yeah. touch. Anyways, what is your number five? My number five probably would be... Uh, let me have a think about this. Uh, i tell you what is a really great book. Uh, is the Fred Seaman book, Living on Borrowed Time. Um, Seaman. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fans on the Run, the Highbrow Beatles podcast. Definitely. Definitely yeah. Highbrow. The High Society Beatles podcast. There's a, we, there's, there used to be a, 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 football, a footballer, uh, a goalkeeper called David Seaman that played for England. And the commentators were would often say if if he if he rushed out of his goal um maybe a little bit too keenly to try and take on an opposing attacker the commentator would always say i think seaman's come out too fast there <laughs> which would you know make me laugh every time as a 8 to 10 year old um and as an 18 to 19 year old probably uh anyway where was that fred seaman yeah yeah great book great book really uh unique perspective on a part of and you know, John's which life, which but, book is this? Uh, it's called Living on Borrowed Time. Oh, by Fred. you already said that. Oh. Yeah, it's it's by Fred Seaman. It's uh, obviously you probably know Fred was uh, kind of an assistant. Yeah. To to John and Yoko in the Dakota in the in the late seventies, early eighties, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, his book's fascinating. Uh, a, a part of John's life which uh, we know very little about. That's a really vital book to have. I think. The house husband years. Yeah, the house husband years. Yeah. Yeah, obviously our friend Ken Womack has, our, uh, our good friend Ken Womack, our, our mutual friend Ken Womack has written uh, an a, a equally fascinating, obviously very different book about John Lennon in 1980. John Lennon, 1980, the last days in the life in yes. stores soon, very soon. See, and I wasn't even paid to say that. <laughs> I I but, I'm just an admirer of Ken's lovely I man. Think, well, we we sh- lovely man quote quote me yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Put that uh, on the cover of your next book. A lovely man. Joe, Joe Wisby says, a lovely man. Yeah, uh, yeah. F- f- Fred's book is equally interesting. Um, obviously, uh, the chapters on when John is killed are, are quite difficult to read, but equally quite fascinating. He obviously had quite a unique perspective on that particular point. Uh, so, yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely essential. Uh, I, I, I think that book's uh, pretty good. I, okay. I, I'm not always impressed with a lot of the Beatles insider books. Yeah, they're a mixed bag. You know, there's the Tony Bramwell book, yeah, Magical Mystery Tours. Uh, the the Derek Taylor ones are a little abstract, but they're a they're little. fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got the Tony Barrow one, which you know is is fine. Uh, you've got Alistair the Taylor. very out of print. Uh, God, what's his, uh, Norman Smith book? Uh, oh, John yeah. Lennon called me normal. Yeah, that's massively. That's really rare. That I, I don't have a copy of that, unfortunately. Um, that's. But yeah, I mean, when you've got you've got you know Leslie Cavendish, the Beatles hairdresser. Yeah. Has got a book out. You know, it, anyone with a connection, and you know, I'll, I've got it. I'll read it. I'll, I'm there, and there are many others like, like the Cutting Edge in stores now. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, it, some of the insider books. Uh, uh, as you say, a little bit um, kind of patchy. Just an um, aside, if you want me to shill any of your books, reach out at fansontherunpodcast at gmail.com. Easy. If Easy you, you, can't, you can't see me, but I'm winking right now. 
<laughs> you, you'll just have to take my word. Okay. Okay. So, what is your number six? My number six, last but by La- no last but not least, least. Uh, is, am I allowed to have the Beatles anthology? You are most certainly allowed to have the Beatles anthology. Not a book that you can read easily in the garden, um, but still an essential, essential Beatles book. Well, when I, that was actually my first Beatles book because my dad had bought it back in the day, uh, you know, just as a coffee table book. And okay. when I had gotten into the Beatles, you know, my mom had the CD of the Blue Album already, and I knew okay. downstairs, like in our table, there was this book that said the Beatles. Right. And so that was my first Beatle book, and I just remember being mesmerized by the visuals on the pages. Cool. You know, that, that image of the four pairs of boots. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it, it's it's flawed in some ways, but it's the only one that we're going to get, and the the pictorial content is second to none, I would say. Yeah, well, there there's a book. The only books that have come close to that is uh, or are. Uh, do you know the book Eight Arms to Hold You? Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't have it, but I'm aware of it. it it's it's fantastic. Good. I'll I'll, I'll add it to my list. Yeah. I, I believe it or not, even though I've got 400 plus, I still have a list of Beatles books to get, don't worry. How long is that list? It's probably too long to, to than any rational human being should have. Um, is it in the it, hundreds? Uh, no, there's a few that I need to get. Uh, the one I don't have that I'd really love to get is the Pete Shotton book, um, uh, which came out in the 80s. Um, perhaps he obviously passed away last year, uh, so maybe they'll re- reprint it, I don't know. Um Another book that's really good, actually, which I should have mentioned in my list, which is out of print and very hard to get, but I do have a copy of, is Waiting for the Beatles by Carol Bedford, mm-hmm. um, which is, she was one of the Apple Scruffs, um, and she she obviously, again, has got uh, quite a unique viewpoint. She bore witness to quite a lot of comings and goings in the Beatles' lives in the late 90s. Well, speaking late, of uh, uh, Apple Scruffs books, from, from some reliable sources, uh, do you know who Lizzie Bravo is? Yeah, she's... Uh, she sung on Across the Universe, didn't she? Yeah, I, I had heard from a reliable source that she has a book that is currently being translated into English. Yeah. And it'll be released sometime this year or next. That's good. I think she's been working on that for a while. Yeah. Uh, so that would be, again, she's someone that has, you know, quite a lot of interesting insight. Cause she, is she Brazilian? Uh, yeah. I think she's Brazilian, so yeah. Yeah, now that's, uh, that's cool. But yeah, the, the Carol Bedford one is worth, if you ever see it cheap somewhere... Because on eBay, it's, you're looking at, you know, 40 or 50 bucks. So it's uh, it's quite expensive for just a paperback book. Non-Beatles question. Do you say bucks in England? No, I just said it because you said it. Yeah. I just wanted to fit in, really. Well, we don't say bucks. The only time we say You say bucks, quid. Quid, yeah. Quid, yeah. 50 quid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is Bob pounds or pence? Like, Bob, oh, 20, no, b- 20 bob. Bob was what they used to say for shillings. Okay. So shillings is a pre-decimal... Decimal, I've, I've never quite understand, or I've never okay. understood how shillings work. Because I've, so, I've heard people so, say, oh, this costs ten and six. Yeah, so like, I Beatles, don't know what that means. In the 60s, decimal, decimalization happened, I think, in 1970. So all through the 60s, you had pounds, shillings, and pence. So shillings were like another denomination of pounds. 
not that exciting again yeah. for the podcast. But, no, yeah, it's exciting be, for me so, because yeah, so I'm learning something new. In in Hard Day's Night, when the granddad's in the um, uh, the kind of casino, mm-hmm. he wins, doesn't he? And, and the guy says, you're winning, my lord, £20 or something. And he says, uh, actually, guineas. So guineas is another denomination of, of pounds. It was very complicated in the 60s. Um, but it's much easier now, I promise. Well, now it's just, you know, the decimal system. Yeah, yeah. We're happy with that. It works, so let's yeah. keep it. So, I want to go back Sorry. to kind of more general Beatles. Okay. What do the Beatles mean to you? Well, they kind of mean uh, a little bit of hope, I suppose. A little bit of excitement, a little bit of energy. Um, I, it, when times are difficult, which they kind of are for a lot of people currently and have and probably will be, uh, they mean, you know, they they take people out of bad places, I think, and put them in good places, you know. Um, it, it, I have almost... All, a lot of my Beatles affection is based on the early records. Um, so, uh, Would because, that mean you're more of an early guy than a later yeah, guy? Yeah. I, I, I used to be a later guy when I was like teenager, 20s. I think as I've got older, uh, I, I love those early records um, because they were designed to make people happy, you know. Uh, that was the pure purpose of those, you know, those songs up until kind of rubber soul Beatles for sale really was just to make people feel better and I think we all need that you know especially at the moment I mean you have exceptions like you can't do that yeah 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 which falls into that kind of abusey yeah uh, subject that John later nailed with uh, run for your life run for your life yeah yeah not but you know not problematic but a lot of art is problematic, so we yeah. should probably, you know, remember that. I mean, if we want to talk about the problematic Beatle, it's John. Because he he's the only... Actually, no, Paul has, has a song where it's... I don't I feel comfortable saying the title of the song. Yeah. Uh, what's the Paul one that you can't say? Uh, the one off of McCartney 2. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Frozen something. Frozen something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I, I know what you mean, but yeah, yeah, no, no George and Ringo songs that we no, can say. No, so it's we not be like for that. George has a song called "Woman Is the Something of the World." No, he don't, he definitely does not have a song called that. No. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, yeah, I'm th- not sure what a George version of that song would have sounded like. It, it would have had a lot more slide guitar and a couple yeah. Harry Krishnas thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the George kind of ingredient, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, what? Why do you think the Beatles still matter? I think because, sort of related to my last answer, is that they make people feel better, um, and I think we all want to feel we all want to feel better about ourselves, and uh, they kind of take us to places that that we need to go to sometimes. And I think because. Uh, one of the magic things about the Beatles, which sort of ties in with the books, is there's an end to the Beatles story. Uh, now, there's not an end to the Rolling Stones or the. the I don't the think there'll Dylan, ever you know. be an end to the Rolling Stones story. No, they will but, outlive us all. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like it'll be them and cockroaches. Yeah. Patrolling the post-nuclear world. It'll um, just be you know a hundred years from now. It'll still be like. <laughs> <laughs> And that is that a bad thing? Maybe not. I don't know. No. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, 
Yes, yeah, so uh, the, the story of the Beatles has an end, and I think that's that's, that's why really I like keeping remember. a guitar on standby. Exactly, in, in case I think of something like that. You just happen to have a guitar waiting there. Yeah. So I'm gonna hit you with some quick fire questions. Go. Not not hit you, but you know, met verbally. Okay. Before you do that, uh, I'm gonna have to let my cat out because he wants to go out. So, uh, hang on. Now I'll take the time to fill the dead air. If if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you. Could you please hit subscribe? Uh, I'll I'll edit this. Uh, to fill this dead air. Um, thank you for listening to the show. It's awesome that you're listening. It's ah fuck it. I'll just edit this all out. <laughs> I apologize, but he was getting he was getting mad, and then it would have been lots of meowing on on, on tape. So well. What you missed is I tried to plug myself twice and it failed. (laughs) It's probably a moral there, Ethan, somewhere. Yeah, I'm not great at it. Uh, So quick quick, fire questions. Quick fire questions. Even though the these questions are quick, the answers are always not. Um, Okay. What is your favorite Beatles song? Today, my favorite Beatles song is "We Can Work It Out." Because that's a great choice. Because. I'm all about John and Paul working together, uh, and that's the best example of them working together. Uh, I th- one of the best examples of them working together, um, the way that the the two sides of them kind of come out, um, uh, and it's just a, it's, it's two minutes and ten seconds. You know, what more do you need? Yeah, you need no more. It's perfect. Exactly, exactly. And plus, it's got that awesome harmonium. I was just going to say the harmonium. Yeah. Yeah. Which, when I was younger, I always thought it was an accordion. No. Uh, but sound kind of similar. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it just adds an extra dimension to the song. Yeah, definitely. Like, that was, when I first got into the Beatles, that was the standout track off of the Red Album. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I, I just yeah, listened I... to that over and over again. Yeah. It's, that it's and so... Day Tripper. Oh really? Oh okay. I, I like I like Day Tripper. But, the best uh, double A side single of all time. You think so? Better than Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. Yes. Okay. Because with Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, uh, I like one of them more than the other. I think you're going to say that you like Strawberry Fields more than Penny Lane. You would be correct. Yeah. Do I get a prize? Uh no. Okay. That's yeah. Good. Uh, is my prize a copy? If, if I did get a prize, would it be the Albert Goldman book, like signed or something? Uh, it it can be the Albert Goldman book signed by me. Okay, okay, <laughs> uh, that probably would be equally valuable. I'm sure <laughs> it will be worth. It, I think my signature is the, probably one of the only ones that'll make your book go down in value. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can work it out though. He's, I probably got it from the Red Album as well. Actually, that's probably where I first heard it. What is your least favourite Beatles song? My least favourite Beatles song today is, I think, probably Long, Long, Long. That, that's a good choice, because that's how the song feels. Yeah, it's just poorly, quite poorly structured. It, it, it's got no energy. It's, you know, if you look at George's contributions to the White Album, I mean, obviously, While My Guitar Gently Weeps is, is great. I would say. I love um, piggies. You see, I don't like piggies either. I think piggies is, is a bit kind of cloying and a bit a bit dull. Um, uh, There's something about piggies to me that 
I just love. Okay. How snarky and underhanded its messages. It's, yeah, it's a little bit angry for me. And what is there a fourth? Is there only the th- I can't remember. What's the other George song on there? Uh, Savoy Truffle. Oh, Savoy again, not great, really. What? A bit, a bit of fi- no, just a bit what? thinner, really. A bit, a bit. It's my fa- It's my favorite song about a box of chocolates. Is it okay? Yeah. Well, it's about good enough. news chocolates. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No, I think George's White Album contributions, I think, are pretty. For me, obviously, just for me, pretty substandard, really. Well, I, I'd agree with you for two of those songs. Okay, okay. We'll meet yeah. halfway. We'll, we'll meet halfway. Just like the Pink Floyd album, uh, Wish You Were Here, except I don't know which one of us is going to be on fire first. Hopefully neither of us, because, you know, health and safety will be at us straight away, if we can't have that. Yeah. Well, they, they say the virus doesn't live on, or... Uh, heated surfaces so that actually may be a benefit in these it would times. solve that it would solve that problem but i do feel we might be open to other problems if we were there, actually on there, fire. We, there'd be a couple roadblocks yeah in yeah. the road and, you know, to health and happiness I, I think life's all about balancing out options and i, I think I'll, I'll stick with not being on fire your your options would be fairly limited if limited. you were set on fire yeah yeah the mean the main one would be just to burn yeah, uh, and I'm not I'm not down for that really right now. Burn, baby, burn. Burn, Disco Inferno. Yeah. There you go. So, I want to ask you, what is your favorite Beatles album today? Today and probably most days, it's going to be Hard Days Night. Uh, Again, fan it, of the early Beatles. Yeah, I just it's just obviously I love the film, uh and whenever I hear the songs, it takes me to the film. Um <laughs> You know, energy, excitement, conciseness. What's your What's uh, your favorite song from the movie? Like your from favorite the movie, scene? But the song, uh, if I fail, probably. I love it. I just, I mean, obviously, it's a beautiful song. Um, the little bit of jostling before, uh, you know, with Ringo bef- oh, before sh- they um. start the song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aren't you being rather arbitrary? Yeah. Is one of my favourite lines. He's fussy about his drums. They loom large they, in his legend. They loom large in his legend. Yeah. Well, it, I always wonder why, and I don't know if you know this, but I, I probably should know this. Why they didn't use Alan Owen for help? Um, I don't know if he just didn't want to do it or what. I, I, I don't know, because obviously they brought back Dick Lester and they used Walter Shenson to produce. Mm-hmm. But I, I think help suffers because the script's just not as funny. Um, I think the script is... I think it's as funny. Do you think so? Well, I, I find... I feel like A Hard Day's Night's, like, overall the better movie. Yeah. But I enjoy watching Help more. Okay. It's okay. it's more fun to me. Yeah, I mean, it, I think... Oh, in a, in a, a sort of outlandish way that, say, you would enjoy, like, the 60s James Bond movies. Yeah. Definitely, it, it's it's in a way it's a very it's much more of a sixties film than Hard Day's Night. You know, I as you know maybe speaking from a, a a UK perspective, I quite like the fact that it's all in a pretty grey, bleak London afternoon, um, Hard Day's Night. So I I kind of relate to that a lot more than skiing well, the in the Alps. The thing about that is it was in black and white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, but you you know you can tell it's not a glorious sunny afternoon when they're being chased by the police uh, no. but um but yeah no i like uh i like the album because it, it takes me to the 
takes me back to the film. And like I said, it's just full of energy. It's and it, it's the Beatles at their early creative peak. Ah, yeah. It's a very they, John album. They know. wrote all the songs on the record. They did. Which, uh, you know, was retroactively, or, yeah, I didn't know where I was going with that, but the next <laughs> one was, you know, half covers. Yeah. And it was kind of, that's the one I, I hear got trashed the most, so I, I have to defend it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can defend it, you know, you defend it. But for me, Hard Day's Night is everything that I love about the Beatles, really. I, I love it, too. Good. The the thing about I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like a hard day's night and Beatles for sale kind of perfectly balance each other with the last song on a hard day's night and the first song of Beatles for sale. Like I'll okay. be back and no reply. I feel yeah. like are such similar songs. Yeah, they are actually. Yeah, that's and I true, feel they... like they kind of blend the two albums together like a crossfade. But then look at something that's interesting is if you look at the cover of Hard Day's Night with all the different faces, they're full of, you know, they're laughing, they're smiling, yeah. they're pulling faces. And then Beatles for Sale, they're miserable. It's a cold autumnal day in Hyde, in Hyde Park. They've just been, you know, they're, they're essentially knackered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of get what you mean by that volume one, volume two, which a lot of people say about Revolver. Revolver and Rebel Soul. Yeah, uh, that it's it's volume one and volume two, which obviously George says in the anthology. Didn't um, he also say uh, Revolver's, uh, Rubber Soul's the pod album and uh, Revolver's the LSD album? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favourite George drug quotes is actually from that um, uh, Sergeant Pepper documentary from 92, uh, and he's talking about LSD in pot, and he says... Uh, Pot was like having a couple of beers, really, but LSD is like going to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> which which my, I like. I think my favorite Beatles related, or my favorite Beatles drug related quote is the story from Anthology about, I think it was meeting Bob Dylan. And yeah. Paul had Mal follow him around with like a, a note and. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then the next morning he's like, Do you want to hear uh, what you wrote last night, Paul? He's like, sure. There are seven levels. Yeah. There are seven levels. I wonder what you meant. We'll, we'll never ne- know. We'll never know. We'll never and know. lastly, what is your least favorite Beatles album? My least favorite Beatles album. Uh, okay, apart, obviously, I'm, not allo- I'm guessing I'm not allowed, you know, Submarine. Uh, it, it's really... a bit of a cop out. Yeah, it's it's a massive difference. My least favorite. I don't know. Again, I, um, let it be. Maybe. Correct you answer. Know, you, you can tell. It, it's all right once you finally learn to accept. I I've only really accepted it for what it is quite recently. Okay. If you look at it as the soundtrack to the Let It Be movie. Yeah. Then yeah. it it works. But if you th- listen to it as a Beatles album, it it's it underperforms. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think Help is a, another one which is as an album suffers second. The non-film songs are probably. I mean, amongst the non the non-film songs, you have a little thing called Yesterday. Um, but you know, I think some of the non things like Tell Me What You See, uh, It's Only see, Love. See that I I. It's it's only love is one of my favorite Beatles songs. Wow. Okay. Cool. I think it's because of that weird sounding guitar riff at the beginning, 
Which yeah. I, I only just figured out how they got that sound. Okay, go on. It was, uh, George had his, uh, Gretsch Tennessean guitar probably at that point. Right. And he was just going to fucking town on the Bigsby, the vibrato on the guitar. Just making go like, bow, 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 bow. Oh, okay. It doesn't quite save it for me, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I, I like, you know, you like me too much. Tell me what you see. Because they have this kind of, even though it's the Beatles at their most half-assed. Yeah. It's still better than, you know, yeah. I mean, most you, of you the know, things their contemporaries were doing. If you think of a song like You, you Like Me Too Much would be a Herman and the Hermits number one. Yeah. That would be a song that they would be, that would be on every Greatest Hits album um, you know, that that's how far ahead they were of most of the groups in the 60s. Yeah. Like, if It's Only Love was released by the Dave Clark Five, yeah. it would have been a number one. Yeah. Well, you know, or something, you know, a good example of that in practice is Obla Di Obla Da. Uh, which well, Marmalade, it was the number one hit. Exactly. Marmalade, Marmalade took to number one, yeah. Um, Not my favourite yeah. Marmalade song. Okay. How many Marmalade songs are there? Are there a lot? I don't know. I, okay. I just know of a couple others. There's this one okay. called Reflections of My Life. Okay. That, and there's one called I See the Rain, which is quite good. And they're better than Obla Di Obla Da, are they? They are better than Obla Di Obla Da. I will, I, will, I will seek them out this evening. Hendrix, I, I, I had heard him quoted as saying, I, I See the Rain was the best song of 1967. And there were a lot of songs that came out in I two seven, so you must have that been there were impressed. there yeah. were. Yeah. So now we've reached that point in the show. What would you like to plug? I would like to plug my unique, amazing, uh, and really interesting Beatles books Instagram feed, which you can find at Books Beatles on Instagram. Um, every day I post. Uh, Where can you find it again? Uh, at Books Beatles on Instagram. Just one more time for the audience. At Books Beatles on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, every day I post a new book. Uh, I also uh, interact with, I, I get some really interesting comments from people telling me where they've found their copy, uh, asking me questions. And hopefully... Uh, what's what's soon... the most interesting comment you've gotten as of late? There's one guy that, that posts and he's actually... He's Canadian because he? he just he just put one comment on, on one of the books and he just said, I have not, which was in capital letters, ever seen this book in Canada. <laughs> like it was like my fault. Like I was going to get in trouble for it or something. Like, like it's yeah. your fault he has not seen this book. Yeah, it was like, I've not seen this book in Canada. And that was it. And that was, I could almost hear him like slamming the door, yeah. you know, walking out in a huff because they hadn't found his book. Um, but yeah, you get some quite, once you get in that kind of, you know, a few thousand followers, you do get some strange things happening in your DMs. Well, I have um, that to look forward to. Yeah, you'll get there. Yeah, they say, I mean, but th- do you know what? At the same time, there was some, I-, I love it because people will just message me and say, have you seen this? I've got this version of this book. And yeah, you know, it's great. It's great. And hopefully I will be expanding my repertoire over the next coming months and weeks. Well, you do end up with some interesting people in your DMs. Like, even me, for example, I, I had this one guy who runs a, a Beatles book page on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Message me in the DMs uh, inquiring about being on the show. Crazy. I wonder whatever Crazy. happened to him. 
I don't know. Who knows what happened to him? I, I worry and fear for him, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but but hey, but hey, yeah, it's a great feed. Hopefully, my repertoire, as I, as I was saying, will be expanded soon, uh, where I'm going to be doing a little podcast where I chat to some of the you, all your favourite Beatle authors about their books. So keep uh, your eyes peeled. But that. not literally, because that would probably not be good for your eyes. Don't peel your eyes. If you can take one thing from the podcast today, don't peel your eyes, don't catch fire, and don't buy Albert Goldman's book. Those, I think, someone should crochet that. Or what? what's the, what's the needlepoint, the stitching? Uh, cross-stitch? Cross-stitch. Cross-stitching. Yeah. Someone, okay. someone should cross-stitch that as like a... Okay. Motto. Well, my my mother is a bit of a cross stitcher, so maybe I'll ask her when I see her next to, to do that, and then I can, you know, I'll, I'll post that on my Instagram. <laughs> your your mom's a cross stitcher. Well, yeah, she's got a little sideline in in that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. Oh, no, she's retired now, so she doesn't do much. Just that's the kind of thing that she does. Your your mom cross stitches, and my dad is dead. So now it's. <laughs> There you go. That's there you go. that's the best way to segue. So, Definitely. you're about to hear something interesting, folks. You're going to hear me for the first time actively try and do what I've been advised to do at the end of my shows and plug myself. You know, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, please please rate us. It it really helps the show. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit subscribe, please like the video, please comment, tell me what you think. Uh, even if it's bad, I'll probably not respond. Um, you know, if you like the show, let me know. If you have any feedback, please hit me at fansontherunpodcast at gmail.com. I think I've said in previous episodes, someone else's email by accident. By accident, quote unquote. Um, no, it was an accident. But anyways, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been my pleasure. What a blast. What a blast. And to everyone else out there, thank you for listening. You can go home. Fans on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.